Guru Nation, welcome to episode 478 of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. In this episode, I actually, this was fun, I did a live stream interview, uh, which I haven't done, I don't think ever, uh, simultaneously on all the platforms. And I interviewed, uh, and I'll do more of this because it was fun, I like the viewer questions and all those things. So make sure you follow me on this all social networks, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, and of course, this podcast, it really means a lot to me. I interviewed Alan Guevara. He is a self-made clinical research coordinator. And we talk about exactly how he did that. And then we also discuss what he does during his uh, day job and what he's got planned for the future. Uh, a lot of topics come up, networking, failure, everything associated with trying to land the job as a clinical research coordinator. Uh, and then also what it's like to actually be a coordinator at a fairly busy hospital so check this out hopefully you like it make sure you subscribe check out links in the show description we've got the patreon channel it's only five bucks a month with a monthly mastermind and weekly videos i talk about things like clubhouse how to improve your opportunities using social media a lot of my clients have already been doing that in the patreon channel check that out also we got the cra academy and crc academy links in the show notes if you want more studies for your site or even need help getting a site up and running text me 949-415-656 with that being said enjoy this episode with alan i'll catch you later hello guru nation welcome back to another episode of a random musings from the clinical trials guru this one is special because it's live okay and it's interview with a self-made <coughs> clinical research coordinator i've got alan here alan has been a viewer of the program and we're going to get into Alan his story how he did it tricks that he knows tricks of the trade and all that kind of stuff so Alan first of all thank you so much for reaching out to me on Instagram and after a live stream you know and saying hey like this is like uh, my story of how I became a coordinator um, so thank you for reaching out and for uh, doing that and doing this yeah no problem um it's helped so much and i think other people could get into research and it's the industry is you know just growing and growing especially this covid stuff and yes. i think uh just giving back the industry is growing and by the way if you guys have questions for alan put them in put them in uh if it's facebook i don't know how to read it but uh, any questions for Alan? Oh, here we go. Comments. Yeah, so you can put comments, guys, uh, here too. I think I'll be able to see them. So, Alan, before we get into like the specifics of how you got your job, because this everybody's curious about this. And by the way, guys, comments. All right, just give us a little background of who you are before you became a researcher. And then um, how did you even know that you wanted to do research? How did you even find out about research? So I found out of research at a very young age. Um, my brother, he worked for Quintiles before it was at Cubia. And this was, he's about 13 years older than me. So he worked there when I was in high school, actually younger, about uh, sixth or seventh eighth grade. And I remember distinctly, he would go to all these investigator meetings he would go across the country, and the one I remember the most, he brought me. He went to Louisiana, New Orleans, and he brought me back a little uh, head of a like an alligator or something. 
So I'm like, man, it's like, what does this guy do for his work? And so ever since then, I'm like, okay, I think that seems like yeah. a cool job. And funny enough, he's not in research anymore. But um, uh, before he was at uh, IQVIA, he worked at a startup uh, clinical research. I, I don't think it's in existence, but it was called Demuji Research. I don't know if you ever heard of it. No, I haven't. And they got bought up by uh, Sidney Kimmel. So, and then after that merger, he went to, on to Quintiles at the time. And I think he, he was either a CTA or a CRC. I don't remember. I was very young. But okay. that's who so you got knew me like, clinical interested. research was, um, it's kind of rare because most people discover it on accident. You discovered it very early in your life. Yeah. And then how did, uh, what major, like you went to college the or, or did you go to school? Like what kind of educational background do you have? And were you always trying to pursue research or were you just not sure what you wanted to do? Um, so I was, I went to college and I didn't know I wanted to do, you know, research right then. I, a lot of people I feel that get into this, they apply to like med school and I thought I wanted to do that and I did the whole, you know, med school thing, whatever, but I'm glad I didn't get in knowing now uh, all the work to be a physician. Um, but I got my degree in biophysics. I've always been interested in like, uh, you know, science and experiments and stuff. But um, I, one side that doctor thing didn't work out. So I, I graduated and I didn't know what to do. And so I remembered, you know, my brother's job. And uh, I'm like, maybe I did college in Riverside. So there wasn't many jobs there. So I went back to San Diego. And I know there's a lot of biotech companies here. There's UCSD. There's a lot of hospitals and stuff. So I'm like, oh, I should try to go into that industry. So I applied to all these uh, pharmaceutical companies as like wet lab research. I didn't get in. Um, and then finally, I'm like, I kind of gave up and uh, my mom works at a doctor's office. And so the doctor's office hired me as a MA. Okay. And so uh, I always kind of had, you know, wanted to work for like a pharmaceutical or do research and I, I kind of gave up, but it, uh, a little tip, and it's part of my story too, I would uh, talk to the drug reps that came and saw the doctor and some of like home health people, and they gave me a tip. They're like, oh, we know this doctor who um, is has research clinic, and he also has a private practice. You know, you should reach out to him. And so I did, and I got hired there as an MA. And then, um, did you do any research with that guy? Not, that not then, but the job I did there prepared me to do research. Um, I was a biologics coordinator, so basically, um, medicines like Humira, uh, Embrol, what else? Uh, basically, those medicines for autoimmune diseases that are biologics or basically proteins, monoclonal antibodies. Mm -hmm. I would help patients get them for free. And when I started, you know, interfacing with research is when um, insurances couldn't pay for uh, the, the medicine. So patients couldn't pay because they're so expensive. We would uh, send them to the research studies because sometimes they would get the same medicine, but for free just for participating. Mm -hmm. And so uh, through there, uh, finally, someone, I think, 
either lost a job or, um, but the main reason I went there is, you know, cause I know they did research. I wanted to get my foot in the door, but it was really hard. Um, I applied to a lot of places before and I worked there as an MA and then finally someone, you know, quit or I forgot something, they got a new job and I approached the owner of the company and he's like, yeah, sure. We'll try you out. And I started as a research assistant. Um, so that about, right there is important, what you just said. I literally had a uh, CRA Academy internship meetup. We do it every month, virtually right now, for the CRA interns. There's some people that are afraid of networking, and there's others that understand. Maybe they're afraid too, but they understand that networking is going to get them, help them achieve their goals. And you seem to be, from your story, I mean, first of all, you know, who talks to drug reps when they're at a like a medical assistant at a doctor's office you know i mean it takes like a different kind of personality to have these kind of conversations with drug reps i mean most people that work at doctor offices drug rep come you say hi they bring you sandwich you drink coffee uh you used to shake hands because there was no covid and now um uh and then they go and then you go do your job you had different conversations you know you like you showed an interest and they're like hey you know what this guy's doing research this networking this is what alan did is networking didn't just fall out of the sky he networked with people and then at your other job same exact thing right so what what drove you to do that uh, as opposed to just uh sitting back and uh doing what you were supposed to do yeah, well, I in my job I had troubles like um, specifically for the medications, um, getting them approved through certain insurances, and so I would talk to the drug reps. I'm like, how do other offices do it? Like I get stuck, and of course, they um, the more prescriptions get filled, the more the doctor writes of their medication. You know, they do everything willing to help you, and then um, they saw you know that I asked and they were like really excited. And so they would, you know, uh, still to this day, I, I keep in touch with some of them. Um, they're all over the country now. And uh, the, because we mutually helped each other, like, you know, I know that he's going to be motivated to help me get information to, you know, get my patient's medication. Um, and then, you know, maybe he's has, you know, a job down the line. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, something will come up. And so it, mainly it was thinking about the patient first, like helping them because um, they have resources. There's the MSLs, there's the um, clinical nurse educators. Like I, I, the hardest ones that the for internal medicine to get approved are the, uh, what do you call it? The insulins, because some insulins are super expensive. And so um, I would submit like this form and not a lot of offices did that. Um, and because I submitted this form, they on the drug reps and the companies could see, hey, you know, this uh, doctor's office is using the resources we give them, the portals, and, you know, they're getting these scripts in. And so that's another thing that they noticed, and they didn't tell me to do that. But, you know, I was thinking, you know, let, and there was a lot of things, uh, pharmaceutical companies or patients who can't pay, they have, like, programs uh, for them to get the medication for free, but the doctor's office has to sign you up, and a lot of them don't do it. Yep. 
And Christine, so, shout out to Christine, Patreon member. She has a comment on LinkedIn. LinkedIn representing strong, like always. Instagram, what's going on? You're sleeping on a Friday, Friday night. I know it's a rainy day, but uh, well, I don't know if it's rainy where you are. Uh, the drug reps are awesome. Okay, yes. let me show the question. I can show the question. This is cool, Alan. Look at this. That's it's like TV cool. show. The drug reps are awesome. I learned so much from them. Diagnosis, commercial insurance, coverage, pharmacy protocols. The list goes on. I mean, this is absolutely true. I have dealt with the drug reps. See, I had a, always had a job like a research coordinator, then a site owner. But these drug reps, very similar to you, Alan. I was networking with them. You're not supposed to network with them. They're there to talk to the doctor, not to talk to you. But I was there. Hey, uh... Does your company have studies? Put me in touch with your medical science liaison. Or, hey, I'm looking for a, a, a respiratory specialist. Do you? Who's your colleagues that does like those kind of stuff? And so this is how you network. Drug reps are amazing people. They like to talk. They don't want to just come bring sandwiches and leave, you know, they, and, or bring pens. They used to bring pens. Now they don't have pens anymore. Um, so how did you get from there? uh alan to uh where you are now and, and where are you now it looks very busy behind you it yes, looks like uh, you know what you're doing based on where you're sitting rainy uh, children's hospital san diego okay and you're full-time study coordinator mm -hmm. now how did you get this job because those kind of jobs are hard to get at the kind of institutions that you're at so uh, after i was uh so when I was the clinical research assistant, someone else left at the office. I, it was a mom and pop. Um, there was high attrition. I, I think that's common for a lot of uh, sites, especially in this area, because we would all fight for the same patients. So coordinators would leave to another site or they get experience and leave. So I saw an opening and I approached the owner again and it's like, hey, you know, I didn't come here to be a research assistant. You know, I came here to be a coordinator. I came here to learn. And so they're like, uh, first they gave me a trial, like a, uh, since I was so familiar with the medications, I knew I'm, you know, like the back of my hand, they made me the unblinded pharmacist for all the studies, ah, even okay. though I'm not a pharmacist, but I handled, you know, all the unblinded pharmacist stuff and right. I learned so much. That's such and a foreign concept to non-researchers, yeah. you know, because every study needs a pharmacist but it's what they mean by that is not a licensed pharmacist necessarily mm -hmm. it's just somebody managing the ip and exactly. like you said a lot of blinded studies the staff needs to remain blinded so you can only have one unblinded person all they can do is the ip so that's that's what you were doing yeah and then uh once i did a good job at that um I would also train, you know, patients to inject if it was like a self-injectable. Um, they're like, all right, you know, uh, we're going to give you the studies. And they were challenged. So there was a lot of cleanup to do. And so, you know, I got them to as much as I could, you know, back in order, working with the CRAs. Um, they would train me and stuff like on the protocols one-on-one -on -one when they would do their monitoring visits. And so I knew after I had about uh, one year experience, I could start, you know, applying to other places that, you know, are better paying and uh, more prestigious research. Mm -hmm. And so I started applying to uh, UCSD, the Morse Cancer Center, and I did it. I think I interviewed about 12 times and, you know, they would interview me and then I would go to second interviews, but 12 times they just, you know, gave up. And so 
Um, I knew my resume was good and because I kept getting calls like right away that, you know, either something was off of me or, um, and I, I felt like I was very confident. So I'm like, you know, eventually one has to come. So um, I applied to Radies Children's Hospital and they called me right away and I interviewed and um, they, I, I got the job. Wow. And then, so how long have you been where you're currently at? About a year. Okay. And uh, Christine says, wow, Alan, we have a lot in common career-wise. I started as an unmasked CRC, um, so unblinded CRC for an ophthalmology practice. So, yeah, this is how, like, this is a, and I'm glad Christine and Alan, you guys both brought this up. That's like a role that sites need, and they don't really have anyone do it usually, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but how did you get the interview? Like how, how much did you have to network? Did you have to persevere? Did you have to tweak your resume? Did you have to like brush up on things on YouTube or maybe not? I don't know. What, what did you do? Uh, so the main trick is that I have a resume. I have two, I have a CV that I send out to the pharmaceutical companies to, you know, show them my experience. And then I have my resume with like, you know, more detailed descriptions of my past jobs, what I did. And so I would include both, but um, on my CV, it has like, cause I was unblinded, I had like 40 to 50 studies. And so they saw that experience and right away, they're like, oh my God. And then um, they would always ask me like, dang, you did a lot of stuff. And it, yeah, I was involved in a lot. This, and even if I, even it's kind of a, a, not a dirty trick, but let's say if I was just uh Sometimes they would approach us for studies. And then I remember this one time we did the SIB um, and we n- never started the study finished, you know, before um, b- before we got activated. But we still had, you know, IP and stuff and I was managing it. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to put this on my resume, <laughs> on my CV, I mean. So uh, I, the main thing was like putting as much studies as you can on your CV and like list them out, like, you know, what the drug was, the pharmaceutical company, protocol name, number. Um, And then I didn't put the role, but I put a bunch, I have a bunch on there. And so that was like the hook and to reel them in was in person. Um, It wasn't much networking uh, as so much as more like brute force. I sent out a lot of uh, applications Hmm. and I knew eventually one would hit and it did, right? How many interviews did you do uh, and did you get rejected or did you not get get rejected to any? I got rejected at least 20 times. 20 times? Yeah. For From study different coordinator. places. Yeah. For study coordinator or different things? Uh, mainly for study coordinator. 20 times and you continue to go back. How, how did you feel? Because... Uh, most people would have given up. Most people do give up after three. They're like, eh, you know, the, obviously there's something wrong with me. You know, to be a coordinator is, requires something that I'm not. What What made you not give up? I had a feeling that it wasn't me. It was um, just something internally, especially for the bigger companies. Mm-hmm. Or it was like a little thing. Like I remember one time they didn't give me the role because I didn't have a phlebotomy license or CNA. I'm like, I told them I'm not going to go back to school unless you guys pay for it for a 
phlebotomy, um, I, you know, but little things like that. Or, mm. So some places um, wanted you to drop blood. Yeah. I see. Okay, so it was always like a little thing. It was never like a major mm. uh, issue. So that's what ca- kind of kept you going and persevering. And then finally you got this interview. How did it go? Like, what did they ask you? Uh, oh, and another thing too, um, I would talk to the CRAs and ask them advice. Like, uh, just because I know to get those positions too, there's a lot of uh, interviewing and stuff. And I would tell them my situation. They'd be like, no, keep applying. You know, you have good experience. You're going to make a good uh, study coordinator. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually saw one of the CRAs for my old job here. She was doing a SIV. And she saw me and she's like, I knew you would be a good study coordinator. I'm so glad to see you. And it was That's awesome. totally random. And By the way, well, random question, Alan, yeah. do you have an iPhone or an Android? I have yes. to know. iPhone. Okay. Do you know about Clubhouse? Are you on Clubhouse? I'm not. You're a networker, man. And so me and Christine, whose question you see here on the screen, she's in my Patreon channel, Patreon member, Christine, uh, we joined Clubhouse like at the same time. Like one, I was one day before her. It's great for B two B. There's so many big pharma on there. If you want to do B two B networking, I mean, you have your headphones on, right? Nobody can hear like our plans. But like networking, B two B, all this kind of stuff. Clubhouse is really good for that. So if you want the invite, um, let me know. Uh, or Christine. Look, Christine, you guys need to network. Christine's going to invite you. Uh, yeah, I think too. you're going to benefit, man. Oh, that sounds cool. I, I didn't, I've heard about it, but I, I wasn't sure what it was. But I never thought pharma media. research is always late to these things. But for this one, they were early. It came from JP Morgan Conference. And, you know, that's all, like, big pharma execs. And they said, hey, let's Clubhouse is out now. Let's just continue on Clubhouse. And so now you have all these rooms. I've only done a room once. Um, I'm literally just got on it this week, but, uh, to all my Patreon members, I let them know, and two of them are already in it and using it and getting benefits out of it. So, uh, Christine, uh, uh, Naro, I'll, I'll connect you to her LinkedIn, um, after this show. And then you guys on Instagram, let me know. We got questions from a self-made coordinator. Um, what... So during the interview, like, did they try to trick you and ask you things that you wouldn't know, or how did that go? Uh, each place was a little different. Um, I, one of my pharmaceutical rep friends, I was actually applying for that job too. Um, oh, you're trying time. to be a pharmaceutical sales rep, also? Yeah, and I would get Man. interviews for that too. Imagine if you went down that rabbit hole. Those, and I got very close, very very close, but um. Ooh. Those were the hardest interviews ever. Um, they would ask you six questions, but that book—I forgot the name. I have it at home, but th- they recommend me a book, and it has like hundreds of questions. And I would. This the only book you need, guys. This yeah. one. Uh, but it wasn't this book. Right? This wasn't a sales book. Um, okay, so sales rep almost. All right, so that no wonder you have the you have and and in research people don't think of it as sales, but you do need sales uh, skills in research as well uh so what's your um what's your uh career goals what uh what are your career goals going forward um you know what kind of uh things do you aspire to do so i am 
right now in between two things. So either I stick with research and, you know, keep moving up either at my organization, there's a lot of opportunities here or go back to school for a physician assistant. Oh, you might be a PA. Yeah. And then, um, do re I feel like the research background would not a lot of them have it. So nope. I'll be very versatile. Um, you truly then, would be a generalist. Yes. And then, um, after P if I do do the PA, uh, specialize or eventually get into MSL roles. A medical science liaison. Yeah. Medical science liaison. Gotcha. Gotcha. We got the a question affairs. from Christine. When you list the studies on your CV, because you were talking about CVs earlier, when you list the studies on your CV, do you recommend listing them under a comprehensive list or did you separate them by company? Uh, comprehensive list. Let me see if I have it. One second. Okay. We're going to wait. We're waiting for Alan to get his CV. He has it under his desk. This is unplanned. Okay, but Alan, we're on Instagram. I don't have it with me, but I could share it with anyone. Um, okay. But it's like a big list. It has like um, my certifications, degree on top, uh, current position. And then um, at the bottom, it says uh, research experience and then just comprehensive everything. Everything you could remember that you did. But okay. not uh, specific roles, just the studies you participated in. Okay. And what, what kind of studies do you do right now? Right now, um, NIH uh, phase one. What else? Uh, phase two, phase three, no post-marketing studies. Okay. Man, yeah, the PA thing gets me excited too because I think you will be versatile and you would be – uh, you could be a sub investigator too. Yes. Not only that, you can like own your own site. And if you a clinician, because at that point you're a clinician, you can have the patient population for your studies too. So I think there's a lot. Uh, uh, it'll be exciting to follow your career. Where do you want people to follow you to connect with you, if at all? Or maybe you don't want anybody to connect. Yeah, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, Instagram uh, is Hadron, like the, uh, what do you call it, the, you know, half of a molecule or part of the nucleus, so H-A-D-R-O-N uh, underscore one on Instagram. Um, I do have a YouTube, right now it's mainly gaming, but when I go to investor oh, game, meetings, I do post videos. Do? I go it's, like Mario, Mario Maker. Yeah. <laughs> And so um, Alan Guevara, my first and last name, pretty easy. So it, usually if you just type in my name, you'll find um, my stuff. Uh, yeah, okay. So I'll put the link to the LinkedIn profile underneath. Didn't know you were a gamer. I used to do like a fair amount of StarCraft back in the day. Always went with the Terrans. You always got to go with the ones that are similar to yourself, right? So yeah. I just had more empathy for them. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Alan. Uh Anyone else have questions, let us know. Now is your chance. Now is your only opportunity. Well, no, you can take this to LinkedIn. You can connect with Alan there. But uh, we go live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, unless I'm monitoring. And today we're combining an interview with a live stream because I 
I actually did do a live stream earlier, but uh, it wasn't like a full one. So we had to go give people the full hour long, you know, face-to-face time. And a lot of the CRA Academy students I know are going to be watching this. So last chance, ask questions to a self-made clinical research coordinator. Cilantro Beats, I see you. Forward Clinical Researcher, I see you. Taylor Wilson, I see you. Otherwise, we're going to let Alan go because he's still at work and he's probably got to go home, man. Are you done? What are you doing working so late on Friday? Is this normal? I have a phase one study. It's very oh. complicated. This is my first time. And so um, working at a hospital it's totally different than at a, oh, a yeah. research site so there's a lot of moving parts <laughs> people um, don't understand you, that they think it's all the same it's completely no. different and um even the people who've been here for here for years haven't done it this medication is like so new and so you know crazy um mm-hmm. the results we're getting but also the risk so they're not even sure what to do sometimes, so okay. uh, it's just on the fly. So still getting ready for next week. Well, Alan, we appreciate it, man. Um, everybody go follow Alan on LinkedIn. I'm going to have his LinkedIn. Christine's going to get you on uh, Clubhouse, and then make sure you follow me. And let's start like a room, start doing some B2B, some networking, some good old-fashioned networking for the old 2021 and I know you guys didn't ask me this, but here's a pro tip. Um, even though we're research uh, people, we're still considered medical people. So if you approach the drug reps, a lot of times they have dinner programs to learn about their um, medications that they represent. And so I went to every single one I could. Um, I There's usually really nice ones too. So I've been to like all the top steakhouses in San Diego County. Um, Yes, and sometimes yummy. there's other doctors there who are PIs or who are potential PIs or uh, the MSLs will be there or the pharmacists, medical affairs people, regulatory. Um, mm-hmm. That's a very, very good place to, to go. And I know some people um, that are like in the academic setting are not able to beat those ones. But um, also if you talk to like specialty pharmacists too, they also get invited to those as well. That's right. That's right. Alan, you're welcome to stay. If you got to go, I understand. I'm going to keep going live for a little bit uh, because we got more questions coming. So whatever you need to do, Alan, it's fine okay. with me. Okay. Uh, what should a beginner know about being a CRC before starting the position at a site? Alan, you want to take that one? Um, beginner should know... Uh... I would say organization skills. Hearts, hearts, hearts. Uh, and also uh, ask a lot of questions. Cause I, had a, I, had a, I had a question on Instagram today. And, I, you know, these questions, I mean, okay, I'm going to write it so that people can see uh, the question. So let me hide this uh, question because it, it, it's kind of related, but I'm going to add um, our own. Okay, so... Uh, it's about how do you um, keep yourself keep yourself organized as a CRC when you have multiple studies, uh, and so it boils in my opinion it boils down to prior prioritization prior what's the word I'm trying to say prioritizing it. yeah it's it's been a long day uh, how do you keep yourself organized as a CRC so. What do you think? 
Let's put this one on there. How do you keep yourself organized as a CRC? You personally, Alan, if you want to answer that one. Uh, we have like a shared drive. So each study has their own folder and we try to mirror the uh, ICF, the investigator site file. And then everything, source docs, you know, has its own folder. Space, patient specific documents have their own folder. Uh, um, like all the like the flyers and stuff, the recruit material has its own folders, IRB submissions has its own folders. So like is if you could subdivide and make it easy that if you got to make it to the point where someone who doesn't know the study could go in there and figure out like where everything is and what what is what. So like labeling things. Um, and also we have like Excel spreadsheets of um, all the study points we need to do. Um, in order to, you know, stay on track. That helps too. And uh, you have to know, sorry, Alan, we lost it. The connection was horrible for me, um, yeah. but we're back. Um, to me, it's prioritization. For you, it's uh, similar, right? Yeah, uh, it's a little bit different for the uh, studies that are sponsored by like grants or like the NIH or something like the government. So there's no monitoring or EDC, you know, queries, but uh, those you could, uh, you know, more you have more leeway to do it how you want but when it's a pharmaceutical or medical device type of thing you, you know you gotta prioritize those first because there are deadlines that they have to meet for data so yeah okay if that makes sense i don't know no it does make sense it makes plenty of sense um okay any more questions what was your biggest fear what was your biggest fear or challenge when you started and how did you overcome it? Biggest fear was uh, not uh, able to get in at all. Like maybe, you know, they kept seeing this guy because I was pretty aggressive. I would go to this one research site that uh, was right next to me like once a week and they kind of got annoyed. Um, <laughs> so I never, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't want me there. Um, and biggest challenge was just to get my foot in the door. Yeah. For me, the biggest fear was, um, man, I was terrified of my monitors. Um, when I started coordinating, I was terrified of my monitors. So I didn't, and I didn't know anything of what I was doing. So I didn't want to talk to them even like they came in, I gave them the books I got out of there. I asked them if they wanted a sandwich. Maybe I would like try to bribe them. Um, and then my biggest challenge was uh, dealing with business partners later. But as a coordinator, my biggest challenge was um, following the protocols. When you have many protocols going on at once, that was my biggest challenge. Good question, though. Good, very good question. And I think we asked this one already. Anyone else got questions? Otherwise, we're going to let it go. I'll end the Facebook. Facebook, thank you guys. LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, 
Periscope. Let me know what you're thinking. What do you got going on? Do you drink coffee in the mornings, Alan? How do you keep yourself like going? Like, what's your working hours? Uh, nine through five, but uh, so sometimes I come in a little bit later. But I stay later, like today. Um, I don't really eat breakfast uh, unless there's like something good. If you know my sister made something, but uh, no coffee, not regularly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I need. I depend on it. Okay, very good. So, anyone else? Uh, doesn't look like any more, but thank you so much, Alan, for your time. I really appreciate that. We're going to get this up on all the platforms. We're going to do the podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, let's stay in touch because the it, uh, the PA thing could could be a good option. Uh, so it'll be interesting to like get to know you and network with one another. So thank you very much, Alan. Appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for watching, listening. Links to Alan's LinkedIn underneath. And by the time you're watching this, we're probably building empires on Clubhouse. So you better get on Clubhouse somehow. Don't ask me for an invite. I don't know really how to do that. But uh, get on Clubhouse, guys. Okay. Oh, one more question. Question for you, Dan. You mentioned your challenge of following protocols. How did you organize them? Uh, what I did, this is crazy. I don't do it now because I don't coordinate. But I would have huge posters. And I would draw flowcharts for each protocol. I would like deconstruct the protocol and say, ICF, number one. Did they sign? Yes. Go to the next step. Did they not sign? No. Why? Or screen fill. And then I would just follow that. And I created this because I, so this is how I learned the protocol. Two things. I learned the protocol. And uh, because if you're creating this flowchart, you really have to understand something. So it's not a waste of time for me. And then number two, kept me compliant and my staff. When I brought on an assistant, let's say I was uh, drinking coffee, right? I was late or I went across the street at the donut shop to get a coffee. My assistant can follow the flowchart. Okay, look, I wrote it for you. So that's how I did it. Um, but good question. Nancy, CRC Academy. Let's give Nancy a shout out. CRC Academy going strong. Hopefully everything's going well with Monica and the CRC Academy. But thank you guys. Thank you for watching. Thank you for the questions. Alan, you got to go, man. Yeah, You're gonna I'm out of here. Overtime soon, so I appreciate it. Later. Later, guys.